Welcome to a brand new episode of the Talk 20s podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, please do us a huge favor and hit that subscribe button. It helps us so, so much. Today, we're joined in the studio by Hannah Holland, founder and managing director of HLD Talent. Hannah launched HLD Talent when she was only 24 and has gone on to make waves in the talent industry, representing names such as GK Barry, Faye Winter, Paige Thorne, Faith Kelly, and the wonderful Sharon Gafker, who you all have seen on Talk 20s before. This episode discusses Hannah's experience of building a a hugely successful company in her 20s. Enjoy. So Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you for having me. I am so excited for our chat today. We've chatted a little bit beforehand and we've also got some wine because you don't chat on podcasts a lot, do you? This isn't this no. is what you usually do. Like I think this is like my sixth podcast I've ever done in like four years. Wow. I'm very um I like being behind the scenes. I'm a, I, I, you know, and I probably am quite a main character behind the scenes. Yeah. But being in front of the camera was never my calling. <laughs> and I think, you know, and uh, you know, I'm trying to do it better. You know, and I really want to be more like that and be more present. And you know, you have to, you understand it more for your clients as well, what mm-hmm. they're going through. But no, it absolutely gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like I'm pet, like it petrified. <laughs> I think you saw before. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Are you scared for what I'm going to ask you today? All the questions. <laughs> No, I'm more scared of what I reply. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think this is going to be a great chat because for me, when I have, you know, I've been following you for a little while now and when like you and your team reached out and you were like, you know, Hannah would be really great for the podcast. I was like, absolutely yes. My team are cute. Yeah, they are cute. And I... (laughs) I love, you know, everything that you're growing and the little that I have seen of you on podcasts and on social. I'm like, I want to know what's going on inside your brain because you are growing one of the biggest talent management agencies in the UK with some amazing clients that you represent and stuff. But I think it's super interesting to understand what you've done because how many are in your team now that work across HLD? Like just people who work like, you know, on salary. Yeah. I think there's seven or eight. Wow. And then off, like... For, you know people and freelancers who, well, it's not they? well kind of like you know external people we bring yeah. in like you know my publicist and lawyers accountants all that jazz for like seven like five six seven people wow. I was looking at when we hired our last talent manager I think we had 52 applicants because I was looking on LinkedIn wow this for just a talent assistant which is a very entry-level role yeah we had very close to 300 applicants wow. and it was painful <laughs> and um <laughs> It was an experience and it was the first time ever we, I hadn't just done the interviews. So it, was, it went through stages and I thought, yeah. wow, we've really hit a level that, you know, it kind of goes through my senior team and then it went to me right at the end and I kind of picked between three people. Yeah. But that was, um, it was it was a good day. It felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I started this in my kitchen. Yeah. And I, actually, I started this around my full-time job from probably, I would say, a bathroom, to be honest. Like I answer calls in my bathroom. It's been a journey. Yeah. And it's... Um, I, I feel proud. I feel very proud. You should. you should. So it's been going for four years now. It started in 2019. You were 24 at the time. Is that right? If I got my yeah, numbers right? Yeah. So technically when we started, it was about March, but it was um, like a, I started, like I opened the business, like, you know, on Company's House yeah, yeah, yeah. in March. Legit. But, yeah. You know, it went legit. But yeah. it was kind of <laughs> more branding and micro-influence. I didn't become you know, HLE talent, like talent or HLE management as we used to be called until around April, May. So, mm. you know, it was a big leap. But yeah, four years coming up. So. Let's not brush over the fact that you're 29 now. No, actually, I'm 29 next month. And I'm holding on to that. <laughs> Honestly, everyone keeps saying like next year you're 30. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. And it, you know, it's actually a bit of a hard pill to swallow because I was so young when I started, I was 24. Yeah. 
I don't think 28-year-old Hannah would start a business. Really? Why? I was, I feel like when you're younger, so ballsy. You're just so like confident. Mm -hmm. And I honestly thought I was untouchable. Mm -hmm. I don't think the same anymore. (laughs) Is that through experience, like bruises? Like, you know, you've been through a business now. You kind of know what it takes to kind of grow in a a company that is like, you know, considered like an industry leader. I think you never know the lessons you learn. You're going to learn along the way and you never are going to know like the ups and downs. You know, the lessons are ones that you can never predict. Because if you could, you would literally put, you know, barriers up or you Mm. would do things to prevent that happening. You you physically can't. And obviously in my industry, I deal with people. So it's, mm. you're not dealing with a product. You're not dealing with something that can't, you know, like I said, I don't work in that business, yeah. but I heard it's like a product <laughs> timeline. Yeah. You know, it's very much people's feelings, emotions, yeah. you know, it, it's someone's life. And that is so important. You are, you are there, you know, a man, like for us, for example, like our talents counsellors, you know, we've been through every, you know, kind of life event from the moment we take, sort of take them on. We've watched people grow into people and, you know, at the same time, you know, you're working towards a strategy. You have to remember as a talent manager, your goals and ambitions as a career are other people's. Yeah. That is what you do. You don't necessarily have your own personal, like you don't want to see yourself on a billboard. But one of my big ambitions is to see somebody who I manage on a billboard mm-hmm. or working with that company. It's a completely different way of thinking. And you either, and I think that's why you can really see people who want to be behind the scenes or people who don't. Mm -hmm. Because if you wanted to be, you know, on the Love Island or, you know, be the next big presenter, you could not do this job. It is very, very humbling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had people that started working for you thinking that they would get more of the limelight potentially? Like, no, because I think I can sniff it out from a mile away. I'm pretty good at that. And I think that's because... I worked at, for another talent agency. I'm not going to say who it was, but they did end up on Love Island mm. and they were working as like a manager and you can kind of just tell, you know, it's, it's it's hard. It's hard if you have your own ambitions and then someone else is living those ambitions on mm. your behalf, kind of. I think for me, what I love about you is kind of a bit of a, like a no bullshit approach to <laughs> what you do in business. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think the people I work with wish that probably wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> I do just say what's on my mind. I don't yeah. have much of a filter. I am learning. I was like a few years ago, I was very much more defensive. I said like things that you just like roll off the tongue and it just, you just think, I don't even mean that. I'm just saying that because like, you know, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. But now I, I think I very much mean what I say and I say what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I think because I've learned lessons along the way and I also want people to you know, who join my team, they're younger than me. You know, a lot of like my yeah. staff are like 23, 24, 25. I want them to feel like they can be who they want to be. And you can have whatever life you want. And you can have a, an opinion and, you know, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. I don't want people to feel scared of me. I want like, you know. You don't want yes people. Exactly. No, because I'm, like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm not a yes, yes girl. I don't want anyone yeah. working for me to be a yes, yes man. No way. Yeah. You should be able to say no. Yeah. Do you Not think, too much though. Do you think obviously having that approach in business, it is unusual. Like you'll meet a lot of people who try and come across like really professional or really like, you know, they'll make sure they, you know, they're careful with their words and things like that. And I probably relate to you more than I do, you know, the professional side of things because I, I just, sometimes I look at people and I think, I don't understand how you can put on that such a corporate facade, unless that's you day in, day out. Like, yeah. like I much 
I feel in my comfort when someone speaks to me real. Like, you know, my accountant, you know, the people that I work with in my team, like, I agree. Like, I want them to tell me To be fair, you is. never want your accountant to be really real. Because, like, <laughs> um, I think I was very much raised to be myself. And I think I'm very grateful for that. Mm. I've never been told to be quiet. Well, I probably should have been. But, you know, I've always kind of just you know, been who I want to be. And I think I kind of was speaking to you about this earlier. I think I have, for a long time, I've I've felt this pressure to be something I'm not, which is very corporate, very much watch what I say. And which is why I don't do a lot of podcasts because I don't necessarily think people expect, I think people expect you to be a certain way and I am not, you know, I am a bit eccentric and I am unapologetically myself, but I think especially because I was 24, I was a young woman. You know, you can't be outspoken yet. You have to earn your place in this industry. And I think now I'm not necessarily outspoken. I'm just myself. And Mm. like, these are my opinions. You don't have to like it and you don't have to love me. But, you know, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. Out of interest, because our listeners would love to know, what made you want to come on the Talk 20s podcast? It's like the fact that you're quite like fun. And, you know, it's like a business podcast, but different, like a bit more fun than the usual. You know, you see the usual and people are like very upset and it's very, very like... I'm not that person. Yeah. You know, if someone made me cry, I don't think I could just like, I'll be like, no, stop the camera. Like, it's just not me. My friends would describe me as quite strong and I'm very resilient. Yeah. So I think I wouldn't want someone to try and even break me down like that. You dropped out of uni um, initially. I did. And tell us a little bit more about your story then, because I think you also like, I heard on another podcast that you also like struggled in school as well. Like you weren't the typical oh, A-star not. student who maybe people would expect to start, you know, a company like you have. No, I was very naughty. Um, I th- but you know what? The more you hear, I think the more people do expect entrepreneurs to be a bit more out of the box. True. I think, you know, I was naughty at school. I was. I'm not going to pretend I was rainbow and light. I don't think <laughs> many of my teachers would have nice things to say about me. Did you ever get expelled? Or no, the, no, no, I didn't. Excluded is the word, isn't it? Oh, I yeah, got excluded yeah. three times. Oh, oh, so not expelled, but excluded. <laughs> yeah, I got excluded. I got inclu- I got um, isolated as well. Yeah. Well, you get put in a different room from yeah. everyone else. Yeah. I was naughty. You know, I acted out. But I couldn't, I'm not going to pinpoint a one particular thing. I just was naughty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think my parents got divorced at the time. And, you know, you're a kid. You can't explain how you are, like, under 18. Mm-hmm. It's very much, you know, you act on impulse of your emotions. You don't think. So I was quite naughty. And then I had to work harder to get into... Well, I worked at Debenhams, actually. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> but not the beauty side. Um, yeah. <laughs> I worked at Debenhams menswear for, like, three years. And I, I actually really loved retail. You yeah. know, I, I, I think I learned a lot about people and... You know, you meet people, uh, you know, at the same time as well. I've always been a bit of a hustler. I also worked in a bar at the same time at night. I would literally do back to back. Like I would never sleep. And I miss being young like that because I can't do that now. (laughs) Um, I can't even go out past midnight without like feeling very, very unwell. Um, But, you know, I I was that person and I've always been a grafter. And then it was my godmother and my cousin Ella, who actually works at Boohoo Man now, which is very, you know, we all kind of end up in this industry. Yeah. She was going to uni and they came and saw me in Debenhams. And my godmother was like, you know, I don't know why you're working at Debenhams, that you had so much more. And I was like, you know, I can't, I, I flopped my A. Like I literally got like two years and mm-hmm. a D. My mum was like, why did you bother going in? I was like, well, it didn't, mum. That's why I got these grades. So I did my foundation degree at Manchester Met. And then I started two years, but... I did two years there and I kind of just, you know, I was the first person in 25 years to get like a drop from my placement. And I just, I just never fitted that mold of 
being told what to do. I really hated it. I've always hated it. And I think, you know, quite early on, if you're meant to work with someone or not, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I don't conform well. If you ask me to do it, I probably won't because mm -hmm. you've asked me. You either have have it or you or you you don't. I think you can start a business and not be like that. But, you know, it, it's also harder because, you know, I've had to learn to take advice. That's mm -hmm. quite a tough one. But, you know, my parents, actually my family, all my family my dad's had teachers no way so me dropping out yeah. was pretty yeah pretty everyone thought I was like I was doomed yeah <laughs> and I quit my job to start a business and I remember the conversations I had with my family members and they were like I think my mum was the only one who was really like yeah and my boyfriend really like go for it mm -hmm. it was very much like you don't have a backup plan there was no evidence you're gonna you know make money and no one really understood the influence industry yeah. no one knew how much money was in it you know, I was young. I didn't have that much experience either. So, mm. you know, I took a <laughs> took a real deep dive and bless my grandma. She's really cute. She was like, if it fails, oh, I've got some money for you. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't need it, but thank you. Yeah. Have you ever had to call on that, grandma? No, obviously I've never not. called on grandma. Yeah. You know, actually, my grandma is like my rock. I love my grandma. She's like a real support system for me. With the cost of living crisis in the UK, we're all feeling the pinch. That's why we've teamed up with our sponsor, Zopa Bank, to help our listeners understand their finances better. If you're worried about your financial situation, you may want to download the Zopa app and check out their borrowing power tool. It will give you a clear view of how Zopa see your financial health with a simple 1 to 10 rating, with 10 being that your financial health is in good shape. With this knowledge, you'll have a great understanding of your financial resilience. And if your score's not a 10, it will give you personalised tips on what you need to do to improve your score over time. Head to your app store and search Zopa. And I think a lot of people would probably assume that to start a business like you have, that you have to come from a certain kind of wealth, certain kind of background in order to do that. But it sounds like with your family being mainly teachers that that was just like, you know. You yeah, my mum founded Race for Life, actually, which is a, like which was part of the team that founded Race oh, wow. for Life. I'm not going to say she solo yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. She was um, pretty powerful, you know, in charity. Mm -hmm. She won like Motivator of the Year and she was like... Um, okay, that's pretty Yeah, cool. she, was, she was a boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm very proud of, to, of, to be my mum's daughter, but... You know, charity isn't like the highest paying either. So, no. you know, you very much, you know, I never had money going into this business. Yeah. I kind of, I had my last month's salary and I thought, but I had also had reminded that I had started this six months prior to leaving. Yeah. So and I was working with like micro-influencers and I probably got, got it on my own that I was making about five grand a month, like off, you know, off the like mm -hmm. books of um, my salary. Mm -hmm. So I knew I could do it. Yeah. And I knew I could put the hours in. And I thought, if I'm just doing this outside of like, you know, I was like going to it at like 1, 2 a.m. and then waking up at 6, go to work. <laughs> That's a like 7 or 8. You know if you can do it or not. And I thought, if I can do five grand, you know, I can definitely support myself and I can move forward and go like that. And then, you know, I got my first employee within three months of leaving and my first office within four months. So, you know, we always kind of moved quicker than I ever anticipated. Yeah. What do you think then for you has been like the secret of your success? Like how would you look back over two years ago? Actually, that was a really big telltale signs that we were going to do well. I, I, I never had the inkling we were going to do well in terms of in real life. I've always sort of said to anyone and everyone, you know, I the only type of way I will fail is like I will die trying 
Yeah. You know, I will always, always keep going. Like failure isn't really an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which I always think when people say it, they sound like knobs, but I think it's just <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, it, yeah. it is a bit of a knob thing to say, but it's, it's kind of, you either, you, you have to believe in yourself wholeheartedly. You know, you are, you are the business. So I think I always believed I would always put the hours in and I had the dedication and passion. So I always thought I would do well within the business. A lot of mistakes along the way. And there's been times where I thought, fuck, I could go bankrupt, you know, because, you you know, I was investing a lot. Like I was putting all my money into investing in the business, like the new website, doing shoots for talent, doing all these different things. Mm. And people look at Instagram like, oh my God, your life's so great. Like it costs a lot. And, you know, to to be not, to be, make your name known in an industry that is so well established, people have been going for 20 odd years. You know, I had to make a bit of a splash. I wish I celebrate the little wins more because I only ever really celebrate the big wins and they Mm. would take ages to get there. Mm -hmm. And like, I would kill myself to get there. How do you know what risks to take? Because I think any business owner, you're taking a risk, right? <laughs> but how do you go? I think it's worth dropping five grand on this shoot. I think it's worth spending this much money on a website. I think it's worth this. Like, what is your telltale signs to go? I think this is right. Like, do you have a strategy? Do you have a team that you run it past? Is I, it gut I feel? I bloody wish. I, I am so impulsive. My yeah. personality is just impulse. If I feel like I've got a good idea, I just run with it. Yeah. And I have lost money along the way. Mm-hmm. Not every idea I've done is good. Now I've built up a team. So with the, for every 50 ideas I have, most of them are absolute rubbish. Um, maybe two are good. Do your team like vet you and be like, Oh, no, they Hannah, check me. They put they me in my you. place. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the bloody time. Like, yeah. And I love that about them. I have strong women underneath me. That is such a powerful feeling to know that you're helping powerful women, whether you're a stepping stone in their career. I've spent money in the wrong places. But as a business owner, you have to accept that not every idea is good. And if you didn't lose money there, how would you know that, you know, to be more cautious the next time? No, you don't learn how to run a business. You don't learn what's a good idea and you don't know how people will react to an idea. So you've got to kind of go with it, see what happens. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You've got to pick yourself back up and dust yourself off and realise that actually a million people before you have done the same mistake. But there is no winning formula to not do that again. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, you and you'll do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have done it again. Mm-hmm. But some of the ideas I've done are phenomenal. And some of them are really, really piss poor, to be honest. <laughs> Let's talk about being the underdog in a very competitive industry. You are obviously a young founder of a business like this. And like you said, there's like people who have been doing it for like 20 odd years. Mm. What competitive edge do you think you've got over the people who have been doing it longer and who have maybe bigger teams or are more well-known in this industry? We're very personable. So we don't have a huge amount of talent. We are very selective and, mm-hmm. you know, people know us on a personal level too. I think that is important. You can't, it can't be a one-way system that, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets. Obviously it's not quite that people know our deepest, darkest secrets, but they should know who your boyfriend is and they should know if you've got dogs and they should know, you know, different parts of your life. And I think obviously we're probably one of the only fe- all-female talent managements mm-hmm in the country, especially at maybe the level we're at now. And I think we've done, you know, we've done, we, you know, and don't get me wrong, we have thought about it many times and we have taken on men before. And it, it, to be honest, it's, it's just not our forte. Yeah. You know, I am very much love empowering women. I, you know, I love building up women and there's nothing, not saying that I don't love building up men. I just don't think I'm as good at it. But I think there also is a power in being the underdog. 
Yeah. I think being an underdog is a strong position to be in because mm-hmm. people don't expect a lot. So when you absolutely smash it, people are like, shoot. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really, really amazing position. And when you're at the, at the top, people expect you to come down. It's very hard. Like, it's yeah. very hard position to also be at the top. I'm mad because I feel like I don't want to tear down anyone. I don't no. feel the need to, you know, I've heard about it before. You know, this industry isn't, you know, the most kind, especially in like different agencies and that I've met before. And sometimes I've heard things. And I think, you don't really know me and that's fine you know so it is but I have like a real strict policy we don't slag off other agencies and Mm -hmm. we don't slag off other managers because I think you don't need to if you can do a good job your work speak for itself you don't need to no no need to slag anyone off Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. you know your work speaks for yourself for sure let's talk about some of the the talent that you've that you represent at this moment in time I think one of the ones that people will know the most of the listeners podcast is obviously GK Barry. <laughs> yeah. What a rise to fame for Oh uh, yeah, she is Grace. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit more about why you kind of, what kind of you saw in her because you took her on quite early on, didn't you? We took her on at 200,000 TikTok followers. So you think now she's got 3 million. Wow. Um, and she had about 10,000 on Instagram. And actually it was very, very, uh, bizarre my friend Neve actually sent me her TikTok uh, like a video and it was the one it was like um god I'm gonna bait myself out slightly but it's because it's like two and a half years ago it's a long time ago it was a video and it's just like when you meet someone you know you're meeting someone that you don't like you have to kind of get on with them for the group and she was just like hi hi and she was like let me have my wipe the floor with you and all this and my friend was like this is you to a T prepping yourself (laughs) I'm like yeah Honestly, I was watching all her videos and I was hysterically laughing. And then I sent her also to like my friends and I was like, is it me or is this girl like funny, funny? Like Mm -hmm. she's like different funny. And everyone sort of kind of said the same. So I messaged her off my, not even off the agency account, actually off my personal account. And I just said, I'm obsessed with you. I'd love to have a meeting about managing you. um, But if not, can we be friends? Like it was (laughs) really like that and we had our first meeting and we did it like over zoom and yeah which you know she kind of took a chance you know we were quite small as well at the time Mm. she took a chance on us and I took a chance on her and I always sort of saw her as you know the next like Amelia Dims mixed yeah like I thought if Alison Hammond and Amelia Dims had a baby Grace would pop out (laughs) and I I think that's a really good good analogy analogy. because I think she kind of is a mixture and she was different and you know at the time if you we look back at you know TikTok and its evolution especially at that time the ones making money they were doing like well, it was like, yeah. dun, 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 like that, that, you know, it was yeah. like dancing TikTokers and, and trends. And, and the only people who'd yeah. made a career was like Addison Ray. You mm-hmm. know, there wasn't many people. And I remember even trying to convince people to work with Grace because TikTokers, no one saw, could see the return. You couldn't track it at the time. And it was still Instagram heavy. And we've slowly seen the changeover. With Grace, it's been a real, you know, it's a real journey. And I'm very proud of what we've done with Grace. And, you know, we have strategized and strategized. We've changed her content with her and like the direction she wanted to go. She used to do skits and now she's very much, you know, herself. And, you know, the podcast, she was the first TikToker to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it's all, it's never left, like, the top 20, ever. Yeah. She was the first female who's under 25 to go number one the first week. She stayed there for six weeks. You know, she's a testament also to her hard work. She's probably the, one of the hardest working women I know, especially as a creator. So, mm. you know, and I think a lot of people think she's, like, an overnight success. Nope. She did her degree. She did her master's in that time, you mm. know. So... Yeah. Is there a big team that works? Like, because I think a lot of people will look at Grace now and be like, how big is the team that now works behind that? Like, how many people are on her team? Like, is like, because I think pop, a lot of people look at creators and go, how many things are they posting that's theirs? How much support are they kind of getting? Because there will be some people listening to this who want to be creators and want to follow in Grace's footsteps, oh, maybe. Oh, God, I hear it all the time. When I'm all on with influencer, I'm like, yeah. I hate that as well. Like, you you have to know, you can't just want to be an influencer. You have to know what you want to be. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a stylist, I want to influence people with style. The word influencer gets cheapened by people just saying I want to be an influencer. So true. You need to have something like you influence people, but on a business level mm. or by showing your like you know you're not an influencer. You but you influence it people. It creeps me out when people call me an influencer. Well, I think it's because it's inaccurate. It's, mm. I think it's an inaccurate term. It's quite no. cheap. I think people originally said it to kind of cheapen people. Yeah. I think digital creators are way more. Mm -hmm. Don't label yourself. You are phenomenal. You're powerful. Women and men like you are creating an audience you know, audiences that TV channels could wish they could create, you know, yeah. millions of people are watching, you know, people stopping the street like bloody Brad Pitt these days, you know, don't underestimate the digital creators. I tell you now, if people keep saying, oh, they're going on, no, you're going to see them get bigger and better. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate. Sorry, what was the question? Mm -hmm. actually? I think also you're, what you'll see is digital crea creators infiltrate every single other part of, oh, of the yeah. media. Oh, yeah. Like, side men. You can, they've exactly. Got, they've got every kind yeah. of aspect. You know, they're going into product. They're obviously in the charts. They're like, you know, boxing. Like, you you name it. Like, they they have, they're, they're well, in it. Well, that's KSI, like, but they also have like, I think it's side eats. Yeah. And, you know, actually... Well, I don't know if you'll kill me for saying this. So we see, so the fellas is who we do Grace's podcast with. Mm -hmm. The fellas is found by Cal Freezy, who's a YouTuber. Hi, Cal. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's a YouTuber by, yeah. you know, and he's got this podcast empire underneath him. Absolutely. That's a, pr that's, you know, I think, pe like I said, people dumb down digital creators, but actually it's an incredibly strategic and clever move, mm -hmm. especially if you do it well. If you go on and go, I'm just going to do my beauty routine, it's probably not yeah. going to do that well. But if you know kind of, this is how, this is what I'm passionate about. It's kind of like anything, you know, you want to do, do marketing, cool. So you start, you know, that, that's why you do like your work experience and, or like at uni they made you do, I think ours was like, body form you know the tampon brand it was like make your own box <laughs> yeah you know how would you market yourselves if you weren't someone who works at that company the outside looking in it's the same thing but different mm -hmm. but kind of done differently so do you think you need to have a business brain on, in your on your shoulders if you are a digital creator no you just need to have a brain <laughs> because <laughs> I think it's just common sense of I'm passionate about this. This is not what I'm seeing. And mm -hmm. this is my niche. So when I started HLD, it was very much like there was, I came from, it's always an interesting one to wear this. I actually came from like a glamour background. Mm -hmm. I worked at 66, which is like a nude, it was like its own version of Babe Station. I was like working in marketing on that side. Mm -hmm. I worked with naked women every day. I know everyone is jealous, but you know, and those women were so bloody clever and they were amazing. And I'm still friends with a lot of the girls who worked there and they were in the magazines. It's like, you know, Demi Rose, one of my first clients, she was on the cover of that magazine. 
you know, makeup art handsome, on the cover and all these different things. And when I started my business, I decided to be a woman because I thought there is not enough people protecting women, you know. And I was very lucky I worked on a team with men who did protect women, but I had also seen the other side. So when I was kind of doing a little bit of research, and I won't lie, I was 24, I didn't do kind of the research I would do now. Yeah. No one was really doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like I did do well because I infiltrated it and at a time where it wasn't oversaturated. Mm-hmm. You know, if I decided I want to be a TikToker today, I will filter down mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> you know, it, it's getting it in quickly. And, you know, I speak about this a lot to my other talent, like all my talent actually. You know, Instagram was big, it's gone. TikTok was big, like, like it's big. What is the next platform and how do people infiltrate that early? Mm-hmm. You know, that we think there was MySpace creators. Was it like Bebo, Pixo? Yeah. What was the one that was like everyone uploaded pictures to and they became really big? Like Tumblr. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, there's been an evolution of socials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, you're right because the ones that are the, the biggest success stories are the ones that have been able to adapt their brand to fit in with every single platform that's that's come up and all use it to the best of their ability really is I think authenticity is also a mm-hmm. massive thing you know being your 100% yourself online it's, it's why you see these TikTokers coming up because yeah they're funny but they're not trying to force it you know I've had creators you know I managed before and I could see it being forced and it didn't work you know you can mm-hmm. you can tell mm-hmm. you know you can tell if that story's been kind of made up you know you can't just make something up because it's funny you're either tragic or you're not, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> My, like, I'm a bit tragic, which is why I feel like I can say it. And yeah. anyone who knows, who knows I am. Like, the things that happen to me each day, I just think, oh, only me. But <laughs> I think that's kind of why people love working at HOD because there is, you know, I always say there's no mistake. It's either a learning. If you do it twice, you know, mm-hmm. you just, like, you, you, you just, you know, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But, you know, there's no mistakes we made. You know, I make mistakes every day. Mm-hmm. We're all part of a learning journey. I don't. I think people don't own their mistakes. The people who maybe, um, they should really check themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of those mistakes then. <laughs> uh, you led me into that question, Hannah. I did. And also the laugh that came after was like, you know, the guy from the Simpsons, he's like, nah. like, that was that. That's what came off me. For you then, if you look back at your 20s and things, obviously the lessons that you learned are things that have helped you in the future and you probably wouldn't like rub them out or undo them because they obviously taught you a lesson. But what are the biggest things that you thought, I can't even believe that I did that? It's interesting because sometimes at night, you know, like someone can't sleep and you think about the things you, like they're like, most they're like really embarrassing. I do that quite a lot and I wish I could undo those. But in terms of, I wouldn't say I've made mistakes, but I will say... <laughs> I, I tried to do a makeup artist once <laughs> and I've tried, I've tried every job. I do believe in your 20s, you should try everything because I don't believe you fall into things. Like I say I fall, fall into this, but I tried everything before I got here. I knew I wanted to work in media. I just didn't know what I wanted to work in. So I think, you know, in terms of mistakes I've made, you, there's no real answer to how to not do them. I think you, you're on your own path of mistakes, but you really, mu- like, you very much have to weigh up the pros and cons. You know, I think spending money in the wrong places is has probably been one of my downfalls. And I also think I'm very grateful for my mistakes. You spent money where you regret spending money. What were those kind of things? So actually, I don't think I've ever told anyone this actually, which is, 
I when I want I wanted a studio for my talent. I've always wanted that from like, and I started the HOA Studios about two years ago. Mm-hmm. I I just literally got any studio. Like it didn't make sense. I had knew nothing about studios. I knew nothing about photography. I knew nothing about lighting. <laughs> I honestly I spent probably close to 20, 30 grand on studios. And it was just the most stupidest thing. So by the time I got actually the right studio, and it was, you know, one that we actually rented out and it was also it's also, well, we still have it. We're one of the only agencies that we have a studio our talent can use for free. Mm-hmm. And it's to help them make content and all that jazz. So it's like a whole, whole kind of entity of its own business. Um, it took a long time before it ever was profitable because I had to take into consideration. I'd spent all this money along the way over mm-hmm. a course of however many years. And I won't lie, some of them were pretty naff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I remember the first one we got... It's like a lawyer's. And I was like, it's just not a vibe. It was. It looked like a lawyer's. No, it was I next mean, to a lawyer. Like, oh, right, it was yeah. in a building and it was the lawyers were next to us. <laughs> we were there and we played music and we were like, shh. We were like, <laughs> excuse me, what? No, no, thank you. That was, no, that was pretty. <laughs> I like, well, looking back now, but at the time it was pretty horrific. Yeah. You know, and I was proud of it. And I think mm. now the bigger we've got, the, probably the less proud I am because I'm more critical. Mm. I think I'm, I'm a very critical person. I beat myself up a lot. Mm. On the way here, I was beating myself up about something silly. And my 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 publicist, Lois, she's amazing. She was literally like, you are just, you just sound ridiculous. But I think the difference between good and great is the, the attention to detail. And I beat yeah. myself up over the attention to detail. And I think that's why I have mm-hmm. seen my growth because mm-hmm. I am that way. You said something really interesting to me when we had like a drink before the podcast and you said to me that you think that your growth in the past four years when the business has been growing has been bigger than the actual business growth. Now for oh, me, yeah, I did say that. you did say that. Quite inspirational, hashtag wow. inspirational. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. On a personal level, I'm way better than on these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I'm quite, I found that quite interesting because I think the growth of HLD has been quite big. But for you then... That means that you must have done some some crazy growth in that time if if you think it's obviously like bigger than the growth I, of the business. Well, you think for the business to grow, I have to grow. Yeah. If I stayed how I was, the business wouldn't grow. I think personally, I have learned some very, you know, tough lessons, both personally and in business. Mm. And I, I'm very lucky. I'm surrounded by good people. I've always, it's one of the kind of things that I always preach to my staff, you know, even the competitors, if they ask us for advice, they ask for a contact, give it to them because they are never asked. Like you have your own source. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be that person. You don't have to be a bitch, basically. And that's not something I believe in. But I think, you know, for me personally, when, like I said, I was very defensive and I still am slightly. Mm-hmm. I still have more growth to go. I'm just more proud of, you know, even my, as a being as a boss, you're not, you don't know how to be a boss. No. You don't, no you know, and sometimes that. I look back and I think, God, I was not professional or mm-hmm. I, like, but I'm more in terms of like, you know, I go out and get drunk all the time with my staff, like mm-hmm. four years ago, sorry. Um, you know, it's, there's just so many different things that I look at and I just think, I, I think actually, I think people might recognize this too. I remember when my staff started going out without me and I really got upset and very like, jealous and that was Mm -hmm. you know and I think that was a big learning curve for me too and that's part of my growth is it was actually my boyfriend I sat there and I was talking to him he was like no one wants to be friends with the boss like that Mm -hmm. 
And like some people do, to be fair, like, you know, um, my number two in the business is called Ella and she's incredible. And, you know, I spent a lot of time with her and then, you know, my senior team, I've got Cherish, you know, but, you know, especially the younger ones, they don't, I want to big up all my team, they're amazing. But, <laughs> you know, you especially back then, no yeah. one wanted to hang out with me. And it was hard to, when you realise that you are no longer part of that because actually they kind of want to slag you off because you yeah. are the boss. You're yeah. the person who declined their holiday because actually it's a week before Christmas. So you cannot have that off right now because you also have all this time and we've got to wrap things up. And, mm-hmm. and now it wouldn't be much of an issue. But when you're a smaller company and there's three people or four people, you, you can't, mm-hmm. it's such a different thing. Like one person gone is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. So... I think part of my growth has been teaching other people. When when you hit that level, you know, because people stop wanting to, you're no longer everyone's best friend. That's mm-hmm. quite a tough, mm-hmm. it's quite a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, I, a lot of my friends work in this industry and they hear things like, you know, if someone, say, like if you're in a bad mood for a day, people will see you on social media, they assume you're going to be a certain way. Bad mood, oh, she's a bitch. Mm-hmm. Am I? Or am I a person? Mm-hmm. And today you've just caught me on a day when I'm a little bit upset. I just want to be on my own. <laughs> you know, it's just... They forget that, don't they? Like, I think we're yeah. all people, yeah. whether you're a talent or you're, you know, or you, you like, say like, mm-hmm. for example, you've had a massive argument with your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It's theoretical. Mm-hmm. But you've had a massive argument with your boyfriend and you just feel like today's a bit shit. Someone comes up to you in the stream and goes, oh my God, I love your podcast. You're like this. Cheers. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, and they could be like, you're a bitch. Like, and I've it's seen a couple of people talent. taking a snapshot of, of you at that moment yeah. in time. But yeah. we're all people. Yeah. I've met people before and I just thought, she's having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. But yeah. I don't ever like sit and go, oh, she's horrible for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, here's what it mm-hmm. is. You know? I actually got a funny story about Gemma Collins. So, um, oh, yeah. spill it. Yeah. So I, it was when she was like, <laughs> I sound far too excited. <laughs> So she was huge, right? She was like so big at this moment in time, and I was at the close show. Oh, like, like number like top, top, like everything, everything everywhere. was uh, GCA. This everything that was that. And anyway, I was working at the close show live, and the close show had finished, and her company or her uh, business had had like a stand there, and she was like book She's signing like a boutique, right? or something like that. I don't know, it was a boutique or whether she was just book signing or whatever. But I saw her, and she was stood there with like her PR manager, like I don't know who she was with essentially. But I went over, and um, it, everything was shut, so like they were just like chatting. It seemed like they were like the conversation wasn't even over they were just kind of like stood there and I went over and I remember this because I must have been about 19 years old so we're talking like eight years ago right and I remember going and be like oh my god like I love you on Tawi like it's really nice to meet you hope you've had a good day and I literally just said the nicest thing and she <laughs> turned around like looked me up and down like that and so did her like whoever she was stood next to her and he went and the, the person that was with her went thanks love she'll love that Bearing in mind, she stood right there and I'm literally looking her in the eye. She'll love that. As in like, she couldn't even give me her words. Yeah. And for ages, I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe like, you know, it took a lot for me to even just go up to them. And then I was like, do you know what? She probably just had had enough that day. She'd probably yeah. been signing books day in, day out for the whole day. And she probably yeah, just didn't want to speak tired. to another person. Yeah. So like, I did think about it and I was like, I'm not going to judge her on that one occasion. This is why people say you shouldn't meet your heroes because yeah. the GC is an icon. Yeah. And honestly, when I'm hungover, my favourite thing is to watch is the GC best bit. Yeah. You know, like the big brother all the way through. Like, yeah. And like, let's be honest, everyone says like, if you're in a lift, I'm claustrophobic, Darren. <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, you know, everyone's a person. It, yeah. You know, there's no excuse. You know, sometimes you, you, meet, you meet people and you know it's happened to me only a couple of times and I've met people 
and they have been downright just bloody rude. And then mm. they've heard what I do for a living. And all of a sudden the tone changes. Mm. And when that happens, I know you're just a bit of a dick to people that yeah. you don't rate. The Brits then, did you get any gossip from being behind the scenes? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is I wish, I wish, yeah. but... I just had the best time. You know, we had, uh, so Faye Winter was there, one of my talent, Mm -hmm. Emily Miller. She went with Malibu, which was exciting. Like in West Arthur there. Grace worked with the Brits. So we Mm -hmm. were sat down with um, Joe and George Bags, actually, Mm -hmm. and Tom Daly. And there's some other people on our table too, but I just, you know, I was kind of only speaking to other people. Like the tables are quite big. I was so gassed and I was just like, oh my God, I'm so close to Lewis Capaldi. And like people, it was just so close. Yeah. For the first time in a very long time, it was a very pinch me moment of, mm. I can't believe that my business has got me here. Like, oh my, like I've done this. Oh no, I wish I kind of went home after because I feel like that was like, you know, I went to a boat, like a party after, but like that. Whose party after? <laughs> I went to my jam's boat party, but it was an incredible boat pipe. But I'm just saying, like, I was so drunk by the time I got there. Yeah. I, you know, that one boat when I was in the Brits, I was like still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to the boat party, I was so cut. Yeah. You know, Grace fell over just getting onto the boat. <laughs> Not Grace, into the water, right? No, Grace turned <laughs> me. And it was like she was talking about on her tour. Because yeah. obviously we just went on tour. And it was just one of those ones where I was just like, <laughs> yeah, makes yeah. sense. Um, I think one of the, it's been so interesting to hear your story, but I think one of the things that you kind of, you kind of represent it completely in that no one at any point in their life, especially in their twenties is perfect. And everybody is working on getting better at something themselves Mm. for you. What's that thing that you're trying to work on for yourself at this moment in time? Um, I'm still working on myself and not letting my, well, you know what, actually not letting my work life affect my personal life has, has always been a battle Yeah, because I've lost, you know, I've lost a lot of friends on the, on this journey. And I think anyone who has a business would be lying if they said they didn't. Mm. You do. It's just part and parcel of what happens. But, you know, for me, I'm trying to spend more time with my friends. I'm trying to work less out of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very lucky the talent I have they are incredible. And, you know, a lot of them are very, very close friends of mine. It just feels like well, it blends Miller too much. actually was my friend before she started wow. getting managed by us. <laughs> so that was just like an easy thing. Yeah. But I think for me, it is very much trying to spend more time and, mm-hmm. you know, being at home because, that, you know, burnout is, is real. Mm-hmm. And I think people talk about it, but no one talks about when you're actually going through it. It's like depression. You don't want to do anything. Yeah. You don't want to look at your emails. You don't want to... Answer the phone and you don't give a shit. I experienced it only very recently, and um, it was the first time ever I've actually put my out of office on for a few days because I actually was like, I just can't. Mm-hmm. And my team were incredible; they picked up everything. But it's like you know, you get your, you get yourself there. Trust me, it takes a lot to pull yourself out, so it is important. And you know, we need to stop glamorizing. Firstly, being an entrepreneur is not all fun and games. I spend more time upset than I am happy. Mm-hmm. It just looks phenomenal online because that is what society says. And then, secondly, we need to stop pretending that working. 14-hour days is normal. It's not. It's hard and you lose your friends and yes, you want it a lot and you can get to the top but it's fucking lonely at the top Mm -hmm. and it's also very, you know, what's the point in having loads of money if you've got no one to spend money with and you've got no one to celebrate with? Mm -hmm. There has to be a balance and Mm -hmm. I've met people who are very rich who have that balance and have done well and it's to do with hiring well. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my best bit of advice is hire well 
and you can have a personal life. <laughs> because I feel like for me, that has yeah. been the biggest blessing. I've hired well and I've got more of my personal life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So interesting to hear you say that. And I think, you know, you've been an amazing guest on the podcast. Oh, for me, you. you know, if I wasn't the host of Talk 20s podcast, I would be really tuning into this episode because for me, this is like one of the things I think, it, you know, is so important is because nobody talks about the realness of starting you know, something like this in your twenties, like you hear that kind of, you know, I got to six figures and this, this, this overnight. Here's five I don't speak tips about for money. doing that. I said that to yeah. you. I said, I won't speak about money. Yeah. And I always say to my talent as well, don't speak about money. I think it's tacky. Mm -hmm. And that's not like discrediting people who do. I just think, especially in the economy like we're in now, yeah. I don't think it's, it's kind, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, people are struggling and in different ways. And I also think, you know, if you're a creator in the come up, you can't talk about the money you're earning because everyone has a different path and a different stage and a different journey. When you get there, you get there. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, speaking about money is not mm -hmm. the best way to always do it. Sitting there saying, oh, I made 20 million, whatever. It's like, that's great when you get there. But for mm -hmm. most of us, you know, that's not, it's I don't not think. It's not the reality. It's not the reality. And when you do get there, do you talk about the fact that you probably don't have a huge amount of people around you and whatnot? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that normalizing that is probably, you know, one of the things I really want to teach people. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. There's been so many gems in this episode, Hannah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's oh, been amazing to chat to you. But we, you know, from listening to the podcast that we always finish with the same question for every single one of our guests. <laughs> I don't even see I wink. have a wink. I, fl I flirted. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I, I flirted. Just got from Hannah. I've um, had a couple of wines and I'm flirting. <laughs> um, but for you then looking back at 20 year old Hannah she's in a completely mm. different position to, to 28 nearly 29 year old Hannah she had a different figure too she's skinny <laughs> <laughs> but for you then if you could look back at Hannah and she came to you in like ghost form and you could literally give her one piece of advice that would see her through her 20s what would you tell Hannah be authentic, don't change for people and don't pretend to be someone you're not because it's the biggest downfall. Mm -hmm. And I've done that so many times and people haven't liked that person who I am. And every time I've been myself, I'd it's less painful when you're yourself and people don't like you than when you pretend to be someone else. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't need to buy everything you see. <laughs> I think that's pretty important. And you can bin stuff. Yeah. I was telling Gabby earlier, I'm a hoarder, actually. <laughs> and my friends come around and bin stuff for me. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, there was no right way to do your mm -hmm. 20s. That's mm -hmm. the point of being your 20s. Mm -hmm. Just be yourself. There is no, and it sounds like the most cliche thing in the world, but mm -hmm. everyone's journey is different. Mm -hmm. As long as you're kind hearted, you have, you move with genuine intentions, you know, being a bitch isn't cool. It's never been cool. They might make it look cool on TV. It's not cool. Mm -hmm. Just be kind. And I promise you the universe kind of rewards you. Mm -hmm. I think that's like my only bit of advice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I, I've done well, I guess, in the mm -hmm. like, last four years because I, I care about everyone and I do every move I make. I, I have a very heavy heart with anything. Mm -hmm. and I think that's mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And very lastly, one of the things that you do that's completely kind of different from business, but you really, we really wanted to talk about in the podcast is mm. dogs. Both of you and I, we I love dogs, dogs, right? But you've got a rescue as well. And that's super important, super oh. important to you. Tell us a little about your rescue and why you think rescuing is important for, you know, as a little oh my God, gem. I love that you include that because I actually forgot. Yeah, um, I, I, I nearly, not going to lie, I nearly forgot. I'm dog obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. Like My staff actually... I only probably realised this when I took them all away to Budapest actually mm -hmm. to celebrate 2022 and all their successes. 
And every time they talk about something serious, I'd be like, oh my God, look at this. And it'd be like a dog video. Oh my God, that's all I send me yeah, and my fiance. Funny, right? They're so cute. They're dogs. That's, they don't speak. I probably watch about 20 dog videos a day. Uh, my retirement plan is... <gasps> Same, don't tell me you're going to start like a dog show yes, or something. Yes, I no, am. Shit, a fluffy I am one too. like Vanderpump Rules, yeah. okay? I don't care. I, I say that all the time. Should we do it together? Should, yes. Shall I just Watch this space. Quit, quit our companies? Yeah. <laughs> just start a dog show. I always said actually <laughs> dogs and something like yeah. pink fluffy and like any dog that even like the old ones who like maybe never get like homes. Yeah. They will never think they don't have a home. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be pink fluffy. I'm bored of seeing these dead fucking floors. I want to see... Yeah carpets and like let them piss themselves oh my god just like clean it do you know what I mean like it's so like you know I I do feel like part of the reason I was put on this planet not to sound too deep but is to speak for those who can't speak for themselves Mm -hmm. and I rescued my my little dog from Cookies Rescue it's like a really independent rescue centre and um Loki, oh god, my heart. Mm-hmm. He they Can broke his. Is really cute. Really cute. Yeah. He, they broke his tail in half. Mm-hmm. They beat him. He had like um, a a to his ear and he was in pain for a long time. Can't and deal with when I first else. met him, he was you know he was really sweet, but he was just so protective. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing I ever did was rescue. It was very very humbling mm-hmm. it was hard and these dogs can't explain themselves you don't know what they've been through I don't you know I showed you the picture of my dog was found on the streets of Lebanon and he was mm-hmm. skinny skinny he's a little fatty now bless him <laughs> I contribute to so many dog charities a month like my account was like is it necessary I'm like yes it is actually so <laughs> yeah look at that yourself uh decide what we're gonna do with it and move on but retirement plan then yeah Dog, dog, uh, dog sanctuary. Yes, we're looking for volunteers now. Um, yeah. So when you're 60, let me know. <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you, Hannah. It's thank been you. so amazing to have you on the podcast. Well, Absolutely God, loved you. it. Woo. I've had the best time, honestly. You're such a great host. You just um, give yourself credit. Thanks, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Amazing.